I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman and a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Oh! Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Terry. If you're a fan of barking orders, make sure you're doing it right by starting every sentence with Terry. All right, this is it, guys, the final fundraiser episode. Thank you so much for all the donations so far. We have made over $600 for Black Lives Matter and hundreds for others, but you can still contribute and have your contributions tripled thanks to my first guest in the fundraiser, Jeff Trammell, and quadrupled if you donate to Run for Something, today's charity, thanks to today's guest, Owen Dennis, agreeing to match donations as well. So there's still opportunities to donate. And if you haven't donated or feel like contributing more right now, go to batspodcast.com slash donate. I have decided to extend the donation window until Monday, July 6th. So please keep chipping in. I want to hit that maximum for matching donations for me, Jeff, and Owen, if possible. Thank you. Today's charity, Run For Something. Since launching in January 2017, Run For Something has recruited 50,000 plus young people across all 50 states who want to run for local office. They provide a safety net for new and exciting progressive candidates at all stages of their journey to help them run efficient, grassroots, and voter contact-driven campaigns and not feel alone in the process. Don't just take their word for it, though. Hear about how they help directly from Run For Something candidates, partners, mentors, and volunteers. Owen specifically brought Run for Something as a charity and organization that he believes in to the podcast, and he's going to talk about it more in the episode, but I also believe that they are doing a lot of great work. I've looked into them. I am proud to contribute. So please, donate at batspodcast.com slash donate and have your donation to Run for Something quadrupled automatically. Today's episode, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. All right, guys, we are 75 episodes into the podcast, and it's finally time to talk about one of the greatest pieces, in my opinion, of the DC Animated Universe. It's a film that stands up there with Mask of the Phantasm. It's what you just heard, Return of the Joker. Batman, Terry McGinnis, faces off with the Joker, who mysteriously appears in the future, along with startling revelations about Bruce Wayne's past. This new Joker knows all of their secrets and has some of his own. It's up to both Batmans to uncover just how the Joker has returned and reopen the book on Gotham's most dangerous rogue and face buried truths that have lay dormant for years. Originally released on video and DVD on December 12th, 2000. Story by Paul Dini, Glenn Murakami, and Bruce Timm with a screenplay by Paul Dini. Starring Will Friedle as Terry McGinnis slash Batman, Kevin Conroy as Bruce Wayne slash, you know, other Batman. Mark Hamill as the Joker, 
Angie Harmon as Barbara Gordon, Dean Stockwell as Tim Drake, Terry Garr as Mary McGinnis, Arlene Sorkin as Harley Quinn, Tara Strong as Batgirl, Matthew Valencia as Robin, Melissa Joan Hart as Dee Dee, Don Harvey as Chucko, Michael Rosenbaum as Ghoul, Frank Welker as Woof, Henry Rollins as Bonk, Rachel Lee Cook as Chelsea Cunningham, Ryan O'Donohue as Matt McGinnis, and Lauren Tom, recently on the podcast, as Dana Tan. Today's guest, Owen Dennis. Owen is the creator of the serialized sci-fi adventure comedy Mystery Infinity Train, produced by Cartoon Network and currently streaming on HBO Max. It's a show that I've been lucky enough to write for and do a bit of voice acting on for two seasons now, and, you know, getting to know Owen has been one of the best parts about that experience. He was also a writer and storyboard artist for years on regular show for many seasons, and even made a game called Vectradius, which you can find, I believe, on the App Store? We deep dive into this movie together, his love of sci-fi, and how shows like this contribute to Infinity Train, along with some tidbits about that show as well. So, without further ado, let's get to that interview. Welcome back to another quarantine episode of Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm sitting down virtually (laughs) with creator of Infinity Train, Owen Dennis. That's me. My friend and and yours, if you've met him. (laughs) (laughs) And if you haven't, you got to make friends with this guy. Uh, How are you doing? Just as you take a sip of water. Uh, Well, first off, I know that I'm going to keep drinking out of this water, but I want you to know that every time I drink out of this water, I think it also smells like a fish tank. And so we'll see how this water goes. Uh, Do you think maybe you need to wash the water bottle? No. (laughs) (laughs) That would make way too much sense. It might be that. Because I know exactly what smell you're talking about. And at least for me, it's like a, it's water. If I only fill it up with water, I can leave it for a while. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't know, these like plastic bottles, like they stay in here too long. It just, uh, it's this very specific fish tank. It makes me think of like when I was a kid and I smelled like guppies, guppy, guppy food, guppies and fish tanks. Anyway, what was the question? There was no question yet. I mean, I guess, did you wash it? Do you think you need to wash your water bottle? I think I should wash my water bottle. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the show. Um, Great. I love this. Yeah. That's all we, that's all we do. (laughs) Uh, so I guess I always kick things off with asking people kind of what their background is. I mean, because you are somebody who's created your own show, you've worked in animation mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what kind of stuff inspired you growing up? Um, I feel like a lot of people that work in animation, especially TV animation, were like inspired a lot by like 2D animated shows and movies and stuff, but that wasn't really a big thing for me i was much more into like live action and like sci-fi video game stuff like i've talked about it but like you know i was really into mist like mist was like a big part of my life when i was a kid um and you know when i was like 12 or something that was like a big deal for me and so like i used to like make uh, I used to I used to make my own mist style games where it was like you could click a picture, part of a picture, and then you'd be able to go into that room and like whatever, like that kind of thing. That would like draw in like uh, Microsoft Paint, <laughs> then and then uh, import into like some some program I was using that was basically like a like PowerPoint but with like little spots that you could click on it. Um, 
So yeah, Mist was a big inspiration for me as a kid and still continues to be to this day. It's got fun themes and it looks beautiful. I mean, for those of you that haven't seen Infinity Train, the right. show itself it feels, I mean, it's very much inspired by the game, at least to, to some extent, yeah, or like your experience so. with it. I mean, there's a lot I mean, of like on the surface puzzle solving and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Puzzles though, as we both know, are like, they're too hard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> They're too hard to make. A lot of respect for people in video games who make puzzles because I don't want to. It's too no, hard. No, anytime we had to write an episode with a puzzle in it, it, it it's a nightmare because you actually have yeah. to solve, like, create a puzzle that's solvable but also is interesting to the audience and then add emotional stakes on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, video game puzzles are fun because, like, you're actually working through it, but watching someone else work through a puzzle, ugh, it's boring. It's a real Riddler episode of a problem. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is something that like some of the writers on the, on the original animated series talked about on the podcast at one point was like Riddler episodes were just too annoying to crack. So there weren't that many of them. Like it was a pain in the ass. <laughs> but the ones that they had were really good. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do a few of them, make them really good. And then quit. So did you grow up watching any of these shows like Batman or Batman Beyond, or did you come upon them later or... Uh, I watched I watched a little bit of Batman, uh, the animated series when it was on. Um, I just liked it. I mean, I was really into Tim Burton's Batman <clears throat> as a kid. I used to watch it all the time. I had a Batman-themed birthday party when I was five where we played um, Pin the Bat in the, bat in the Bell Tower. <laughs> so my mom like drew a big like bell tower, uh, and then everybody tried to put the bat up there. Uh, that was about as far as I think the theming went. For that. I was gonna say not very Batman, but I like that. Well, it was Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, where right. he's up with there with the Joker. So there's that, but that's all that I. I don't really remember much else Batman stuff happening at that party. It might have been that I was picking a lot of stuff, and just one of the things I picked was like also Batman, dinosaurs, and like whatever. <clears throat> um. But no, I, I watched Batman the Animated Series a little bit when it came out, but it was, you know, like anything at that time, it has to be, I couldn't tell time. And I didn't know what time things were on or how to watch them or what channels were. So it was sort of one of those things where I was like confused about how to watch it. And if I did see it, I thought it was amazing. But then I had to just happen to have seen it. Um, and I, but when Batman Beyond came out, I did start watching that one and being like, oh, this is, this is fun. I like this. This is right up my alley. Yeah, knowing you, I feel like it's very much... Like, watching this movie that we're going to get into, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is really Owen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's a I mean, lot of tech in it. There's a lot yeah. of, like, weird future stuff that's, like, kind of Blade Runner-y, kind of, like, Aliens-y, but, like, also yeah. its own thing. I like, I like unapologetically um, sci-fi future stuff that doesn't try to really explain itself. I like, well, I like both directions, I guess. I like ones that are super overly technical and they really, really explain themselves. And I like ones that do not. I don't like this, the stuff that's in between. I'm always sort of like, eh, it's not, that's not for me. But the stuff that's basically like just a fantasy, like that's great. Because that's, I mean, that's why it's sci-fi fantasy. Um, and also I'm really into when people just decide to like, oh, let's, what's a huge twist that we can do to something you already know. Like everybody knows Batman, everybody knows Bruce Wayne. We've done this a thousand times, right? It's at this point, 
what's the year 2000. So Batman had been around for what, 50 years or something, 40 years at that point. So for, you know, 50, 60 years or whatever it was at the point when Batman Beyond came out, it was all like, it was all basically try to do Batman again, try to do Batman again, try to do Batman again. It's like rebooting, rebooting, rebooting it for however many thousands of years. Uh, and then I liked Batman Beyond because it was like, no, let's just do something else, uh, which I am always into. Like, I'm not a huge fan of like, you know, long established properties. I want to like, I want to like see new stuff. So if you're going to use a long established property, I want to see you change it, like change it as much as you can. Uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons I was always into Batman Beyond. Yeah. I feel like, like what they did was, uh, it could have been very bad. Oh, yeah. uh, and like this came later in in the show's run like it, i think it started in 99 maybe mm-hmm. uh 98 or 99 but it uh you know i think it was another one of those like mandates where it's like we want uh, a younger batman we want like a kid's version i can definitely feel the executive notes in this like you, know, you can you can you know sometimes when it's like oh there was a note on that you know but like they weren't intrusive which i thought was really which is nice. Mm-hmm. There, there are definitely things sometimes where you, where you know that like that was a note that they got from someone above them that they had to do it this particular way. Um, but the ones that I caught in this one didn't feel unnatural or intrusive or anything like that. So I was like, cool, that was good job. No, and we ended up watching like what is probably the most adult anything from this this show or series mm-hmm. or any of that like DC animated stuff. Anyway, it's. I think the only PG-13 thing, and this is like an alter, you know, this was the original cut, but they mm-hmm. censored it a bunch because it was set to come out and then around when Columbine, the uh, Columbine shooting occurred. Oh, and so I was, okay, all right, because I was so watching So there's a totally like, censored cut. And got it. This is the much more brutal, bloody, sad, talk of got death it. all the time, PG-13 version of it. Because um, when I when I watched it, I was like, "Wow, there's no way someone would make this now." No, <laughs> no way. No one stepped on this landmine. No, <laughs> in, in in almost like every other scene too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I think online you can see like there's like some side by side stuff of like the the edited version versus the unedited version, but there's some pretty significant changes, and then a lot of it is just like toning down violence, completely cutting parts of scenes, adding little white flashes you know instead of seeing punches connect or whatever but yeah i think when the show came out it was more of like a okay how can we get like more of like you know teen batman and his friends and it sort of is that but it also was just like a spookier darker show like i think they 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 tricked them like you know the team tricked them into making a darker show than the original batman Mm mm-hmm when did have you seen this before i forget i know you'd watch the series yeah i'd i had seen this at some point i probably saw it in the year 2000 when it came out uh which would be 20 years ago which is why i don't <laughs> I, I watched it completely fresh and new like the whole thing was like oh wow i don't know like i don't remember i don't remember any of it which maybe also you maybe never saw this cut because i think there was like a fan yeah. petition and it was like release it and then so it didn't come out till 2002 so like two years later oh, okay. they released okay. this version of it um okay okay well, I, I don't yeah i don't remember what i saw but I, but I'm sure it's been minimum 15 years since I've seen it. And then, you know, who remembers anything that happened five days ago, much less 15 years 
Yeah, right now every week is a year. The world yeah. is melting. Um, it's horrible. <laughs> but yeah. we're here to talk about Return of the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is, uh, at least for me, it's like one of my favorite anythings in this, like the DC animated universe. I think they mm-hmm. do a really good job. It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It uh, is creepy. I think it's like a, mm-hmm. a good mystery. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was genuinely like along for the ride. Like uh, my my wife figured it out uh, part of the way through, but I was like, no, <laughs> which was like really that's not usually the way it works with us. So it was like my whole life has been upended. Uh, but it was it was uh, yeah, it was a good time. I was definitely along for whatever it was that they were taking me. I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who's. I mean, it can't be it can't be the joker like who where is this going i don't know like he's he's got to be dead that's impossible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like um, they do a, a lot of good jobs like throwing red herrings at you that like yeah as a as a person who may have seen like other kids mysteries or mm-hmm. whatever quote-unquote kid mystery shows you mm-hmm. know it's like as an adult you can usually kind of pin it and be like okay it's that person who looks obviously like the joker yeah. <laughs> it's this guy yeah. price who's the shitty you know new character in this movie uh right. who is voiced by mark hamill yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't yeah, definitely listening to it i'm like that's his that's mark hamill's voice like what do you that's him <laughs> so okay but uh that was a good that was a good turn i thought maybe it wasn't going to be him only because they're pushing him so hard so i was like i don't think so i don't think so it feels like you're trying to aim at him but i don't know who else it could be you know so yeah yeah i'm not sure like when do we want to talk about like what the plot is or like how, how why don't we wanna... just dive into it yeah we'll, we'll just okay. start from the beginning and sort of go piece okay. by piece i'll kind of like walk us through stuff and we can stop okay. and talk about it um so it kicks off uh with good old frank welker voicing this hyena man woof there he is um running out of the shadows and so it's like you know the the, these jokers crew which have shown up in you know previous batman beyond stuff but Mm -hmm. this is kind of like a new iteration of him but at least in the series before the joker had never shown up he has a legacy he's kind of you know imitated by gang members but like the actual character never showed up i think his uh remains were part of an episode (laughs) oh wow yeah like they, they do some fun stuff in batman beyond with old villains like Bane is just kind of like a been ruined by, you know, the drug toxin mm-hmm. that he was addicted to, and he's just like an old withered man in a wheelchair in another episode. And oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. That's I love I love that. I love taking whatever it is that you're like, no, that's the way it is, and then being like, what if it was completely different? Like I love that stuff. Like I think about like, you know, Enter the Spider Verse or something. It's like love it because <laughs> it's like, what if we just tried something else entirely? Like I love that. It's so deeply satisfying. Yeah. And I feel Um, like they didn't, they didn't pull it out too often. They were like, okay, like this is a reserve party trick. You know, mm -hmm. it's fun little kind of window dressing, but we want to create this unique original world. And if anything, Mm -hmm. we're just building off of characters. So like, Mm -hmm. I like Barbara Gordon being commissioner Gordon. Yeah. That's fun. And uh, about that, the, the opening sequence and stuff, that's a good sequence. That's a very good action sequence. Like the whole, whatever these flying cargo loader things are like with the, like they're flying through the city while they're like dangling on a wire and like all kinds of stuff like that. It was 
great. It was really, yeah. it was a really good, good way to open it. Yeah, just um, the action is tight. It's all kind of like they're like spinning through yeah. the air. A lot of the shots are kind of wild. It's very, very well animated. Uh, and something else that I really love that I was trying to figure out, I mean, you know, when I watch cartoons, obviously I'm always going like, oh, how'd you make that? How'd you draw that or design that or that kind of thing? Um, like this was made in, this was released in 2000, the original cut, which means that it was made probably starting in, if I were to guess, like, 98 99 somewhere in there if that would mm -hmm. exist. um which means computer animation in a television movie no it just wasn't a thing so uh they couldn't just do like design the thing in 3d and then do like a cell shader if i were to guess looking at a bunch of these i think they did what happened with like akira which is they had something in 3d and then they like animated in 3D and then drew over the top of it to like give it a you know a line quality mm -hmm. that was consistent with every other piece of animation in here but it was really cool because it was like clearly they were doing that while mixing it with moving matte paintings and I love moving matte paintings like I, I love a moving matte uh we've used it many times in Infinity Train <laughs> it's just pretty because I love them um and so like that was a very fun thing i was ex i was expecting to see a bunch of like you know early early cg ex stuff uh and i didn't get that and so i was happy about that because like i i honestly don't think cg like cell shading got good until like uh, 2012 or so it took a long time <laughs> and even then the cheaper versions of it popped up everywhere i yeah. feel like uh... yeah cell shading took a long time to get good we, uh, I, I feel like in this, I know that like Mask of the Phantasm opens with like some early CG stuff that as a kid, I was like, this is so cool. And it's, <laughs> it looks real goofy now. It's really uh, hard because, you know, I was, I wanted to be a 3D animator. Like that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to like, I learned how to use 3D programs and software. I was like, all about like, oh, cool, be a 3D animator and stuff like that. And I think about like at the time how, you know, I was just like in rural Minnesota <laughs> trying to figure out how to be a 3D animator with a computer I could get at Best Buy and, uh, and how there just wasn't really software or information available. And it's just like whatever was on the shelf at Best Buy happened to be there. And that's what I had to use. And now, like I recently opened up some stuff and I was like, oh, wow, there's like things have changed a lot. <laughs> like Things have changed a whole lot. You can go online and just instead of trying to make a human you can buy a human model and just change the textures on it like everything's so much easier now um it's just wonderful i love it it's a real treat anyway, yeah uh well yeah we were uh, let's see talking about that first action sequence I do want to talk about these goons. I think they're all pretty fun. Uh, they yeah. all have like distinct personalities. I like Dirty Clown Man the best. Uh huh. Yeah. I, 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 he only talked a few times, and when he started speaking, is he supposed to be like a Christopher Walken impression? Is that what's? Oh, I think that with? was the the scarecrowy guy, the one with the oh yeah, with like yes. the Halloween bucket. That's what ghoul. I was thinking. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I didn't name an actual name of a character. I just said Dirty Clown Man and hoped that you would know who I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was so funny and creepy that there's just a kind of like a schlubby dude in a in a clown mask 
and like, oh, kind yeah, of like yeah, yeah. a shaved head and just like a jump like not even a jumpsuit like yeah. he's in like he's wearing like a pink pink pair of sweatpants <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> at the same uh, time i feel like that is exactly if someone was to be like i'm gonna be like a clown gang member like that's exactly what it would end up being in real life which is funny because nothing else in this is anywhere near like what real life would be like but uh yeah that part is yeah we have we have some guy named bonk who's you know pretty quickly gets killed uh-huh. uh we have dd played by melissa joan hart yeah uh, which was real fun and then we have yeah spliced hyena person yeah and dirty clown man and ghoul yeah they're all fun i remember i remember liking the splicing stuff when i was a kid and seeing that and beyond i was like oh we can like put animal dna in our bodies and so i can become like a jellyfish man like uh, this sounds cool. <laughs> well, yeah, everything was pushed so much more sci-fi in the show. It was like, okay, yeah. let's take Batman, but like do all the sci-fi stuff that like we really couldn't do too much in regular Batman. Yeah, and also everything at the time, like people were all about like using DNA. I was able to blah 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 blah. blah. Like that was like that was that's such a like thing for the time period is like DNA splicing and figuring out what's happening with your DNA sequence. And somehow that changes you into something awful or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you know, CRISPR Thanks is yet Dolly to uh, fully be uh, unleashed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like so much of the like this idea of the future is fun because it's like it also was around like Y two K. You know, we're like yeah. so that's sort of in the air. And like I know that yeah. in Batman Beyond they use creds, so it's everything's yeah. just like which yeah. That's... I mean, cash money probably going going away at some point soon. That's something I also really, really love about all science fiction stuff is whenever they have to make up new swear words or like, instead of saying like a swear word, it's like, what in this one they're using like slag or something? Slag it. Slag it. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love sci-fi swear words. They're great. I, I like, I like having to think of an actor trying to seriously say this word like it's a swear word it's very funny well you've had to like direct people or at least sit there you know and, and give notes or at least with our voice mm-hmm. director on our show and like yeah, yeah when you some people are you know more into like sci-fi stuff than others but like if mm-hmm. you you know having like a proper actor have to explain you know like what you what is a crazy <laughs> thing is going on it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> it's kind of you feel like i can't believe i'm going to explain okay so you're in a car and it's a white room and there's a toad in it and there's a sign that says kick the toad but you don't want to kick the toad and like it just it's it's like this weird description to to give somebody uh yeah ben mendelson and bradley whitford yes of course that was (laughs) from our show ben mendelson and bradley whitford that was a whole cut scene where they were also contemplating kicking the toad (laughs) I guess yeah I was thinking of them on the outside but I'm like yeah explaining to people who are like you know in this just doing every other movie popping in for you know a short yeah. voiceover session yeah uh, and catching somebody up it's it's wild yeah because people jump in like a voice recording session can last anywhere from what like half an hour to two or three hours yeah and then you might end up never seeing that person again until it comes out like it's like it's like that like you so they might not even have seen whatever came before it or like whatever anything 
and like that's that's also that's a big part of like what you know the voice director's job is oh right. shit sorry that was my wedding ring all good <laughs> <laughs> he's married sorry <laughs> Uh, now you know we're gonna leave hints about subtle hints audio clues to <laughs> pieces of owen's you life bells in the background what is that <laughs> oh he's uh actually playing pin the bat on the bell tower but in real life right now <laughs> uh so anyway from this initial sequence we get to you know uh this dirty clown man as i will call him throughout this entire podcast uh yeah he he grabs the part that they needed before like you know the big thing explodes yeah. uh, that they were just trying to run off with and yeah we have uh terry mcginnis batman say that ain't terry. coming out of my allowance yeah roll credits yeah <laughs> Because uh, I, I hadn't seen Batman Beyond in so long, there was some point when uh, uh, my wife asked, "Like, so who's what's what's his name?" I was like, "His name's Terry." <laughs> and she was like, "Why well, just say it like that?" I'm like, "I think Bruce Wayne says it like that." And then later on, he's like, "Terry," and I was like, "Oh yeah, good." But it was just like deeply embedded in my subconscious. Yes. Like that's how he says Terry. It's just a name that's barked more than spoken kindly from the person who uh, is in your life most. Yeah, it feels like that's it feels like that's how they figure out what his name should be. Is like what sounds good with Bruce Wayne saying saying it gruffly. <laughs> Terry, Roland, <Instead> like <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Garth Brooks, one word, Hubert. Uh, <laughs> yeah, originally Hubert McGinnis. <laughs> what a goofy name. I would love an alternate version of the show. <laughs> I mean, that is one of my favorite parts of this series is the relationship between them, seeing how it's such a depressing future for Bruce Wayne. It really yeah. is. They don't shy yeah. away from the fact that he is a lonely, sad, bitter yeah. man who's driven yeah. most people away. Yeah. And that also sounds like completely what would happen. That absolutely makes sense. Like even if what happens with his ward later on in the story uh, hadn't happened, I still believe that's exactly where Bruce Wayne would have ended up, is in this same state of mind um, where it's like just an old dude alone uh, in a cave. <laughs> he's yeah. a hermit. He's a rich hermit. <clears throat> yeah, and he's got you know a lot of memorabilia uh, that reminds him of all of the sad things that happen in his life and people who have yeah. left him or who he's continued to interact with. Uh, yeah. And it's like that, that memorabilia that he has isn't even like, like past victories or something. They're just like, remember him? He's dead. <laughs> remember him? Also dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get into the credits, which feel like they were budgetarily strapped to do anything, which I'm like, I'm fine if it's just, <laughs> you know, fine. white text on black with cool music. I like, right. a, I like a simple simple opening yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah. so yeah we get into the bat cave old bruce wayne slices off a two-faced dummy's head with a batarang that's our introduction still to got it oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh and uh we basically get introduced to the idea that like this guy jonathan price or, or just price i don't know if i'm making up his first name or if that's an actor Jonathan Price is an actor. Yeah. Okay. We'll just say a uh, wonderful actor. Yeah. 
do not confuse Jonathan Price, excuse me, with this evil Mark Hamill voiced villain who has nothing to do with the Joker. Uh, but so Price is this corporate villain. This is he's yeah. basically the MacGuffin, not MacGuffin, uh, the, the red herring to basically yeah. make us think that he's going to be the Joker because he has a pointy nose, kind of like, you know, in Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's back, taking over the company, and this guy doesn't like it. That's the basic, here's your world now, everybody. Here's the new normal. I I was taken into like, is that guy going to be the Joker? I, I guess. I don't know. It's Mark Hamill's voice. So, I mean, Mark Hamill's got a pretty distinctive voice. I mean, I feel like it's, he's got a fairly distinctive voice. It's just that I feel, I feel like it's because I worked on regular show that I know like every voice he's ever used. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You've seen so, him record many, many, many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like, Oh, I know like I, instantly I was like, Oh, that's Mark Hamill. Uh, but I feel like if you didn't, if you haven't heard absolutely every recording session that Mark Hamill's been in, you probably wouldn't recognize it. That yeah, much. it's a, it's a subdued Mark Hamill. Yeah, um, very subdued. I feel like we get my favorite Mark Hamill Joker performance in this movie. It's like mm-hmm. this perfect sort of like creepy, but also funny, but like just, he's just sinister and fucked it's upsetting. up. It's an upsetting performance. And I really like, you know, by the end he's, I, I like that he's upset, you know? Because, like, Joker, when he gets upset, it doesn't, it's always got a little, a certain amount of, like, aloofness to it. Like, even when he's upset, he's still kind of like, but it's all kind of part of the joke. Mm-hmm. By the end of this one, he's like, no. Uh, that's, yeah. It's not the joke. Don't do that. He's humiliated. Um, I, I love. Yeah. Well, it also kind of validates Terry as a Batman. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you did something that Bruce couldn't do. Yeah. So then we get to Sleepy Terry at the cool club. Yes. Uh, I was not expecting to uh, watch this movie and watch somebody try to dance while they're falling asleep. That was not. That was not in my bingo card of what I was expecting <laughs> out of a Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that was, that was fun. I liked, I always like when, uh, people do like an animated club sequence and then the colors are like super, super stark. So that was, it's beautiful. Yeah. It looks really good. That's, that's something else. Just with the show, just every single time, just blown away by how beautiful it looks constantly. (sighs) I also, I mean, I love that like the design of it is so exaggerated. Like there's a giant lava lamp, uh, Chekhov's lava lamp. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I said I wrote down uh, later when I was like, "Oh, okay, we do get a payoff <laughs> with it." But like, also yeah. like these big weird sculptures that kind of look like the inside of like cells, <laughs> like they kind of yeah. look like like mitochondria or something. I, that's another thing is like I really feel like I feel like they utilize the space. Like that's really important to me in like an action sequence is that people go like, "Okay, this action sequence doesn't just take place." anywhere it takes place in this particular location and the only place it can take place is in this location because we use this object and we use that thing over there and like everything gets used you know and i feel like they did a good job of uh trying to use the space yeah it feels kind of like a nice throwback to like those kind of goofier 50s batman comics where you know everything was like you know running on like giant xylophones and uh, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff but it it feels earned like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel goofy when you're watching it 
mm-hmm. um, which I know I know Dini Paul Dini scripted it or at least did the screenplay, and I think the story was a few of them. But uh, I feel like he's got a, a reverence for that kind of stuff, so it was mm-hmm. like fun to see that snuck in. Um, so then we go to the Jolly Jack. Which is, uh, you know, the Joker and his gang's current hideout. And we kind of get, mm-hmm. which, by the way, Jolly Jack, I read, is a reference to Jack Kirby, who oh, okay. uh, was referred to as Jolly Jack back in his Marvel days. Huh. Everybody okay. loves Jack Kirby, who works on any show. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> I've uh, never met a person that's like, no, I hate that guy. Yeah, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But we get our introduction to the Joker, which is yeah. real creepy. Yeah, he's just a pair of eyes, basically. Uh-huh. Right? Isn't that what he is? Yeah, just, just beady like red of... eyes in the dark in the beginning. Yeah. I'm always a fan, obviously, of uh, villains that are introduced in darkness. <laughs> you can't <laughs> see them. And they, uh, then they appear. It, it was very... I liked, I liked the way they framed everything and the way they staged the scene because it was very much like you could tell the power that each group had. So you could see like the gang, how they viewed Joker and like Joker is by himself and he's at one end of the table and the whole gang is at like this other end of the table and they're all like fidgety and like upset, but he's like completely still, which is power, you know, like stillness is power. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I just remember looking at that and being like, this is well done. It was good. Yeah. Okay it's it's all really effective i feel like it moves really really well like it, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of wasted space in the movie mm-hmm. um and then we get our first kill <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh which i think is such a good one like that bang bang gun you know like the flag popping out yeah. uh, I, mean, I was kidding bang so was i <laughs> oh wait i wasn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah i was i like that i was like I like it when uh, bad guys kill their highest henchmen as well. Because <laughs> I'm always like, but that guy was so loyal to you. He was so into That was, what are you doing? He was like the most powerful guy. Why would you? And then they get rid of him. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. We've established the power dynamics. We're in act one. Terry has yeah. failed immediately. And the Joker yeah. is in power in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. And then we get to Ghoul, who's like basically a Christopher Walken impression. Um, I think it's was... Michael Rosenbaum, but okay, I didn't. I was uh, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Sure, <laughs> I'm like, is this a choice on the day sort of thing, or is this a you auditioned with this? And I feel like he was already doing stuff for them, so he may have just been there. And they're like, yeah, why don't we try this? Wouldn't that be fun? It might have been. It might have been a like I could see that being a. Uh, a thing where it's like, uh, we also have another character, just you know, do another voice. And then <laughs> just did another voice, and that's the voice that came out, and that's the voice that they stuck with, which is definitely 100% a thing that really happens all the time. <laughs> I, I have done it. Yeah. <laughs> and that character has come back for other things. And yeah. And then you have to be like, why did, I, why did I make that choice? And it's because that. That's oh, exactly this is what why. the goat sounds like that was screaming. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh it's never a bad thing it's always like oh there's a lot i feel like it's when people watch things afterwards they think everything is a super deliberate choice yeah and nah. sometimes things are just improvised <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's some of it is definitely uh made up 
on the spot. Uh, I also feel like we get one of my favorite uh, bits where like Joker's bullying them into like, we're with you. Say it. We're with you. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, like bonk. That. Oh, right. Dead. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a good one. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, I liked, I like, I like him forcing people into doing a thing uh, because it, again, was really strengthening his uh, power, not just in like a physical sense, but in like a manipulative mental sense, which is, which is good. And that's the Joker. He's just this like a, he's an abuser, <laughs> you yeah. know, like he's a manipulative yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, so then we get to this like you know they kind of are like oh here's the next place we should hit and they're like oh that's gonna be pretty hard and we cut to Wayne Enterprises rooftop mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's back baby he's at that mm-hmm. crystal podium. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's mid speech and it's crashed. But luckily for Bruce Wayne, still got it. <laughs> <laughs> he's always still got it terry still got it <laughs> terry <laughs> oh, um man yeah it was it was uh it was a joy to see uh joker disrupting a thing again even it was in like a future just joker disrupting a corporate event in the future i'm like great sure again it's taking something that feels very classic and then putting a new thing on it mm-hmm. i remember when i saw it for the first time i was so excited because it was like oh they're never gonna touch the joker they've said that he died already in the series mm-hmm. so yeah. and they don't really do supernatural stuff the most they do is like his memories were stored in you know this like <laughs> yeah. cloud system or whatever so yeah the fact that it was mark hamill that they had i was like well this has to be him but it can't be him uh was cool and shocking and i feel like it, yeah. it, it plays really well um, and you know, we, we, the, the way they build him kind of revealing that he may or may not know Bruce's identity is cool. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's that scene where he leans down and he's like, who would know me better than you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked that. Cause that, that was, again, it was a lot of like, I'm having to pick up a lot of backstory based on like context clues and things like that, which I love doing. Uh, so I liked I liked that because I was definitely like, so he does know who Bruce Wayne is, or like I'm not exactly sure, I guess when did that happen? Like what happened? <laughs> and so it was something where I was like, I hope that didn't happen in like a previous episode. I'm not aware. Of. I hope I find out in this story <laughs> what happened. Thank goodness I did. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a whole standalone thing. Um, yeah, I feel like it's really elegantly scripted or you know the story is plotted out really nicely where it's like yeah. you're just naturally curious about what's happening and it's not hitting mm-hmm. you over the head with it yeah. yeah um then they get a they have a getaway and one of my favorite designs <laughs> it's that like big almost like an ice cream truck mouth or something oh yeah that's i don't even know what it is but it's like just a hover car with a big like clown mouth biting yeah. into it <laughs> but it was only there for that one scene wasn't that's it that's it they just designed it for that. That's what I love about it. As I, I always, I always feel bad whenever I see something. It's like you made that. You had, it had to go through designs. It had to go through color. It had to go through processes. It had to go through all these different stages of communication for one scene or like one shot or something. And it's always like you guys must have thought it was worth it because otherwise you wouldn't do it. Like if you're making a show, there are times where you're like, no, we're not going to make a new design for that. It's just not worth it. But like they thought it was worth it to be like, yeah, he's going to get away in this floating clown head thing and we're going to do it. 
<laughs> and it awesome. was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we, we kind of, you know, it's one of those like save these people or go after me sort of moments, but the Joker mm-hmm. doesn't have to really Spider- say it. I mean, Batman. Well, whatever you want to do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we we sort of cut to Terry and Bruce in the car. Bruce is grumpy, mm-hmm. uh, and Terry. I, I we get some fun little jokes like, "How do you think he came back? Like robot, clone, suspended animation, floating in a block of ice?" Uh, yeah, <laughs> little Mister Freeze nod. It's nice to have um, a joke Disney. in this. <laughs> oh god, like, it's so it's, deeply depressing. Yeah, it's not a it's not a happy story. <laughs> Well, we know a so little bit about can, that. <laughs> if you, yeah, I know. If you can fit in a joke to something that's like constantly down, it makes it much more endearing, I think. Because even when people are constantly down and everything sucks, you're still making a joke here. And like everybody's in quarantine, but people are still making jokes. Like <laughs> nobody can stop. <laughs> so like, yeah, I like that in a anything that's coming across is incredibly serious or something like yeah i think i don't know if it's just stylistically something i like or if i believe that it's better probably the former but uh i feel the latter but i'm like i like i don't know anything that's totally humorless even if it's like relentlessly sad i feel like you need something in there because that is what life is like like people make uncomfortable jokes in dark situations yeah um (laughs) But uh, then we get uh, we kind of get our first hint of mystery. We see like Tim Drake is watching. He's he's just a random dude. Old Robin is watching mm-hmm. the news of what just happened at Wayne Enterprises, uh, and he's clearly kind of disturbed by it, but kind of covers it up. I liked I liked that. I liked um, seeing that he was just like, "Who's this old guy? Who's he going to turn out to be? I don't know." <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, "Why? Why this random older dude? This middle aged man? Yeah, yeah. Who's this guy?" <laughs> Uh, you know, we get kind of like Terry underestimating the Joker. He goes to Commissioner Gordon. We sort of see Tim, Tim Drake go in there and see her. And it's like, wait, mysterious guy seeing Commissioner Gordon. What's going on? Yeah, I, that was, that was when I figured out that he was probably Robin. Like it was, it was about there that I was like, he might, I think he might have some connection to being Robin. I was thinking maybe he's like Nightwing or like something like that, but I wasn't entirely sure but i was mm-hmm. i was thinking because it felt like the age would have matched up pretty well um yeah, i mean it's so sad because this version of robin was also like the g whiz ah shucks like mm. you know he even has like hero time like later in a flashback like <laughs> yeah and it's just like <laughs> they canonically uh tortured this character <laughs> yeah yeah uh, that's what you gotta do to him though that's what you gotta do to good characters you gotta make him uh you gotta poop on him well, life is yeah indiscriminate uh, with that kind of stuff, so it's kind yeah. of I don't know. There's like a sad truth to it. Um, yeah. But you know, Bruce is quick. You know, he's testing the the voice matching technology in the back computer. Yeah. And that was the part where I was like, well, I don't know. Then if it didn't, oh, if it didn't match his voice, then I don't know. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> well, because they lean on the back computer as that kind of a crutch in so many other yeah. instances that you're like. Well, if it says it's right, I I, I know yeah. it's right, <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you know, and uh, we get some nice, like, it wasn't a popularity contest. He was a psychopath, a monster. Uh, yeah. He hasn't and I was, up. I was on board with Terry at that point because I was like, well, but he was, he was a bad guy. I'm like, what are you, what are you really, I can't, I can't think of it off the top of my head that he like really did something really, really bad to the point that you guys are saying it. I mean, he did, like, I couldn't, I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite sync up what they were saying with what I was seeing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was totally on board with Terry. Terry. Uh, Terry. I was, I was in his, I was in his POV. You know? Yeah. I get it. Would you have given back the bat suit like Terry? Um, mm, no. Yeah. Well, maybe, wait, can he, can, can, can Bruce Wayne, control the bat suit from beyond from somewhere else i think he can remotely control it yeah oh then yeah i'd give it back because what's the point (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) and we do get this like there's so much tragedy in this like you know he's like it's what i want he's like stupid kid you don't know what you want none of you did yeah yeah Yeah, that was a good one i like that part uh i like uh i like i like when adults uh, and things go like you're such a child you don't know anything and then the kid's like i know what i'm doing and then they're like kind of wrong <laughs> but also sometimes they're kind of right it's like but that's also what that's life you know that's what i like about i like that in storytelling when adults are both wrong and correct and the kid is both wrong and correct like it's good yeah that's real well i mean i feel like yeah it's true they're like you know, you have that adult perspective or like older perspective of like, I can imagine, I can think of like so many instances where, you know, I, I've been like arguing with an older family member. They're like, you don't get it. You know, like I've seen more of the world. This is how it operates. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, you know, I bet you're right in some respect and I bet you're wrong in other respects. Yeah. yeah. Uh, vaguely, vaguely alluding to just political arguments <laughs> over... <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving dinners. Uh-huh. Um but I think yeah, there's a nice gray area here. And you know, Terry's back at the club now. He's not sleepy in the next scene. Uh, Thank goodness. I don't know what he's going to do with another sleepy Terry. Okay. And you know, Dana, his girlfriend is happy. Yeah. Even though he interrupted her girls' night. I yeah, I was going to comment on that. I was sort of like, no, that's not that's not cool. Like she's going out and doing stuff with her friends like she wanted to go have a girl's night like let her let her go do that also how bad is their relationship that like he overheard them being like maybe you could look for a new guy and he was like not a chance and was like wait you're not (laughs) disturbed by that terry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean he's i guess he's just aware and complicit (laughs) look we don't know we don't know what relationships are like whenever this takes place what a thousand years in the future i don't know (laughs) that's true we don't know what relationships are like then. Maybe things are just a little more poly for all we You're know. You're right. Know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm, assume, I'm making a lot of assumptions. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, they dance a bit before there's a beat <laughs> up sequence. Like, so I'm just thinking, like, Terry, are you poly? <laughs> <laughs> Terry, are you poly? <laughs> Answer me, Terry. Uh, just want to know it's cool if you are. I just want to understand. Bruce, what? How are you even talking to me? I gave you back the bat suit. What? Where is this coming from? <laughs> I'm whispering in your ear. Oh God, he's there. He's right there. He's on the <laughs> dance floor. No cane. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, 
Uh, I like that we, we have this, like, you know, DD out of costume. Like, you know, you see the twins and you're like, well, we know who they are, but it was like a fun sort of mm-hmm. yeah, just, just enough info. And, you know, we sort of cut back and forth between this fight where finally we see this big lava lamp slosh everywhere. I just want to point out, like, that was one of the times that I said, like, wow, when I watched this. The effects animation in this is fantastic. Like, it's so good. That whole thing, like, spilling down. They have a whole shot where they show whatever the pink liquid lava stuff. They show it, like, cascading down off of one level of, off of, like, a second floor onto a first floor, and then from there onto another floor beneath it. And they show it cascading down, continuing, and then finishing cascading. It's not like cutting to finished water or cutting to just running water or anything like that. It's like a fully, very well animated, like effect sequence that's just beautiful. And that happens a lot in this movie. There's a lot of like people walking through smoke and then the smoke like swirling around them as they walk and like stuff like that. That's just like so good. I love effects animation. So cool. Well, and it's some of the most beautiful, I think, in any of the, the series. Yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. They must have had. Very I think good. they must have had like a slightly bigger budget, or people were just like, "We're here to oh, play." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm 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 definitely seeing a bigger budget for this because of how um, how these action sequences actually worked and like how they're cutting together the footage. So like, if you cut a, if you cut together like just a fist punch and just a kick or something, that's one thing. But if you're showing someone like spinning around and doing like their body and then a full kick and then go hit somebody else like that kind of thing, that's a lot of work. So <clears throat> that's that combined with like just what the effects animation looks like just goes like, oh, you guys had a bunch of time and budget to figure this out. It might not even be a budget thing. It might just have been like they had enough time. <laughs> that's, I think that's usually one of the biggest issues not being rushed yeah it's just like please give me the time to actually put some love and work into this spoken like a man who i know touches up his own shows (laughs) (laughs) animation and effects in after retakes yeah who who yeah that's that's me (laughs) i mean it i don't know it's worth it but you're also it's like (laughs) perfectionism runs through my veins in a dangerous way so it's a it's a it's it's a bad habit I would say <laughs> it depends. It's when, when people depend on you versus when you're alone. Although when you're alone, it maybe hurts you too. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I really shouldn't, I probably shouldn't be doing as much <laughs> work on some of these things as I do. And that's but what I this do. is. It's an intervention. We we're done talking oh. about Batman beyond. <laughs> oh, you know what? We'll draw him in with like a sci-fi Batman. That'll get him here. <laughs> I'll get Owen to talk. Yeah. <laughs> he loves that sci-fi shit. I don't even care about Batman. I've never even hosted this podcast. I've been lying for years. <laughs> uh, we get into my favorite section. Well, this is all... Bruce is kind of ambushed by the Joker in the Batcave uh, in a really creepy moment. You know, and we it's like full-on revealed that the Joker knows who he is. Yeah. Um, we get ha-ha-ha painted everywhere, which must have taken a while. <laughs> yeah did he bring a bucket of paint with him to do that no blood red paint he please it, he didn't do it with bruce's blood like bruce was fine yeah so it was the dog so he must have brought a bucket of paint with him i guess probably 
I mean, maybe that's he. He had the Joker's who we didn't see, but off screen they painted it all really quickly. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, which I guess one of the things I know is that in the edited version they paint they change the color of the paint from blood red to neon green. Like they truly think... tipped it overboard in the censorship. Yeah, I don't think I don't think going to neon green is a bad choice. I think that that's also a very valid choice. Uh, blood red definitely implies it's going to be you know blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, he we we get creepy Batman laughing on the Batcave floor after Terry Terry gets back yeah. from. It was know, say, I really I was gonna say I just I really liked the animation of Terry uh, rolling over Bruce because they did a whole thing where it's like his shoulders and body were facing downward and then he grabs his shoulders and in the shift his head still continues looking down because his head is still heavy, right? So you can't really move Ugh. a body that easily. You can't, I mean, anybody listening to my podcast, listen to the podcast can't see what I'm doing, but, but like the, the motion is a very realistic motion. And also it created a great reveal. It's so um, creepy. It's so unsettling. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of this leans into horror more than a lot of the other mm -hmm. Batman stuff. Although I feel like Batman beyond kind of, played with sci-fi horror more yeah but uh you know bruce is saved terry with the help of barbara gordon takes care of ace the bad hound who's watching a looney tune <laughs> uh yeah. which i i love that it's like yeah we got the rights to this let's let's do it yeah we're warner yeah sure <laughs> uh which that was another thing that was censored i guess was they take out the line where he's like i killed the rabbit oh yeah that felt like it was really okay that's unfortunate yeah yeah i feel like that was you know a nice little, little piece about what was happening there must have been so much panic when they were censoring it you know yeah, they're like okay it was a everything it was a scary time but yeah now things are fine um yeah things have gotten way better <laughs> uh things have been fixed since then <laughs> Oof. Huh. but you know here yeah. we are. We're about to talk about a happy thing. Don't worry. Uh, and yeah. it's the flashback. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, truly one of my favorite Batman anythings. And it's it's really sad. But it, uh, it, it's played played really great. Uh, so we sort of mm -hmm. see Robin on a solo mission through this, like, you know, narrated sequence. And mm -hmm. he gets ambushed by Harley Quinn and knocked out. It's all kind of like classic Batman the Animated Series. Like, it's dark, but mm -hmm. it's not super scary mm -hmm. um and then they arrive batman and batgirl see this jack-in-the-box with robin's mask strapped to this like limp creepy head <laughs> that pops mm -hmm. out also smart batman don't walk up to it to to do the handle throw a thing at it makes mm -hmm. sense smart yeah smart world's greatest <laughs> appreciate detective. characters that are like that's smart yeah, we appreciate that. I do. Um, I did like the little like l world building that Arkham is now abandoned. Um, yeah. Does that so is the implication that all the people that were in Arkham are just loose or what? I think it, they said that there was like a newer facility that they were moved to. Oh, that's um, good. And so this one is just like an old husk that's sitting there falling apart. So like to use Arkham as basically a haunted house that they have to kind mm -hmm. of sneak into 
which feels appropriate since Arkham, I think, is pulled from H.P. Lovecraft. I, I like that I just had a that I just had a reaction of like, oh, that's that's good. I'm glad they built a new place for a fictional. <laughs> a well, they fictional deserve to be rehabilitated. I, I just want hope. them. Yeah, I just feel like they should. You know, they should be able to get the help that they need. Yeah, <laughs> and they weren't getting that Arkham. I didn't even bat an eye at it. I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's really good that they were able to get some some help. So they're sneaking in. They hear "Hush, little baby" being sung creepily, which mm-hmm. what a what a great what a great little moment. Uh, mm-hmm. And they we we basically get this like weird kind of like performative sitcom, <laughs> yeah. like the Joker and Harley are like adopting a child, and they sort of yeah. basically are just showing off their torture of uh, Tim yeah. Drake. Yeah, that uh, was good. What was your yeah. reaction to seeing it this time? Since you didn't remember, what what? Because I feel like this is viscerally some of the most upsetting stuff. Well, I was I was thinking that it was like, okay, well they did something to him, and it's the Joker, so it's probably some sort of smiley thing, which would be upsetting. I didn't imagine it would go quite as far as it did um, as I was watching it. But I was, I, I mean, you know, I had watching it, you know, going in like, okay, so this is the thing. This is the thing that made Batman like flip. So what is it? And so the whole time, it's just a constant sense of like sort of dread where it's just like, what is it going to be? What is it? What is it? Just tell me what, what is it going to be? Um, so that was, that was my reaction. It was just a general like sense of like, dread and like curiosity yeah they really dangle it in front of you like that he goes to like pull the curtain immediately and they're like nah uh, uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna do a fucked up story about it instead <laughs> um i like that the joker has a runaway gurney like a remote control gurney that he can <laughs> drive himself on yeah uh, yeah and the fight is all of the action is just brutal in this section mm-hmm. i mean the minute yeah. they, you they can definitely tell that like this is a pissed, this is pissed off. This is a more pissed. It's like, it reminded me a little bit of um, my favorite lightsaber fight in Star Wars is in Return of the Jedi. Like, I like Empire as a whole the most, but like Return of the Jedi has my favorite lightsaber fight. It's not fancy. There's nothing like, wow, what an interesting looking fight or anything. But the emotion that Luke Skywalker has when he's like trying to beat his father with a sword it was felt sort of it was a similar sort of feel i thought where it's like i'm so mad i'm just like blind with rage and just like i like that yeah it's just emotionally charged like he throws i think a knife or a scalpel right at the joker's head (laughs) like to kick things off yeah um and yeah tim is just fucked up strapped to a gurney uh, I guess it turns out, I just learned this tonight, that Andrea Romano, who is the casting and voice director for the show, is the voice of his creepy, sad laughter. Uh, oh, okay. Which is very cool, because it's mm-hmm. always very effective, and, and I feel like some of the most moving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, ultimately we get this uh, torture flashback. We see like that black and white scratchy footage, Mad Scientist, Joker... And uh, one of my favorite lines is just when he reveals that he 
finds out who Batman is. Behind all the stern and batarangs, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mummy and daddy. Be funny if it weren't uh-huh. so pathetic. It's like, whew. Uh-huh. <laughs> the fact that he's like kind of disappointed is is like such a fun yeah. reveal. Like what a fun thing to get to write the Joker discovering Batman's identity and not have it be a dream sequence. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I do kind of like that. It's like the Joker having to, there's a certain amount of reckoning with himself that he also has to have in that moment where it's like, this is the guy, just this guy, yeah, you know? And that's uh, obviously, I like that sort of reveal as well because we, we did it in our own show. <laughs> yes, that's true. Spoiler. It's just, uh... <laughs> it's just some guy. It's just, that's it. <laughs> Which is usually uh, what it is. You know, like there's yeah. nothing super satisfying about uh, revealing these types of people. Everyone, everyone wants like evil or good or whatever to be like this big, like that's who they are. There it is. They are. But if you think about things who are like the worst, like it's just some part, some person. Every bad thing that's happening is just some person that was like, I'm going to have a bad thing happen now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's it. And the same thing goes in reverse. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I feel like they, they, talk so much about how like the joker's more interested in like the chase of batman than mm-hmm. actually killing him and it's like yeah <laughs> that is kind yeah. of what it is mm-hmm. uh just kind of sadistic games um we get batman saying i'll break you in two <laughs> which is uh-huh. so deeply upsetting <laughs> yeah well it's also interesting knowing like in the back of your head i'm like oh yeah didn't he i was back broken by yeah Bane? probably not in this yet or ever i don't know happens in the uh, comics probably, and they they don't yeah, like a different fully do it because it was you know a cartoon but now they do it because <laughs> it's later and it's a movie uh-huh. but uh we get some stabbings with a knife which is like you know people are uh-huh. bleeding this is not this ain't yeah mama's blood in this of course all scrubbed out for the censored version but you know uh-huh. They still leave the holes in the suit. You know, the continuity doesn't. I, I can only imagine that they were like, ah, no, we're going to do the bare minimum <laughs> to deliver the <laughs> censored cut. Uh-huh. Um, and Tim ends up killing the Joker. Yeah. With that bang gun, which I feel like is like a nice sort of full circle, like setting that up earlier. There's a callback yeah. to that, you know. And that was incredibly like shocking because also I was just thinking like, you, you can't make this now. There's no, no one ever touched this. Like the idea of like, yeah, we're, so we're gonna have um, a kid uh, pick up a gun and shoot an adult man. Ta-da! After being tormented. <laughs> I feel like the first question is like, so you say this is a, is a kid's show? Where you want? <laughs> Where you want uh, kids to shoot people with a gun. Uh, so I feel like, uh, yeah, it was a very unexpected uh, direction. And uh, so, yeah, they shocked me. I was shocked. Yeah. They got and me. Just, for, just so you know, the censored version, this is the biggest change, is the Joker is not shot with a gun. It's a fully different sequence where he trips and gets kind of cornered into some ro- like errant electrical wiring, and I think there's some water, and he gets electrocuted. It's <laughs> still pretty fucked up, but it's uh, uh-huh. yeah. But it, it does does 
does he shoot at him or anything? Like, how does, does he hold up the gun or anything like that? I don't remember. I think he holds something up, but maybe, like, some gas comes out or so, something that, like, prompts the Joker to stumble backwards. But it's mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm not sure if the gun is as in play. Right. They went with the classic uh, villain kills himself. Yeah, the old Ursula the Sea Witch electrocution. Um, right. Well, actually, she got stabbed by a boat, so even that was more <laughs> dark. That's <than>. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they bury the Joker underneath Arkham. Like, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's a haunted uh... place. That's a poltergeist waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heard old man Joker's ghost still down at Arkham. No way, dude. Yeah, I swear it. I swear it. My brother, my brother saw him. If you go at night at 3 a.m. and 33 minutes, 3.33, you can hear him laughing. It's true. <laughs> no, no, you're lying. You've never been to Arkham. <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's an hour of that that just got cut from the, uh, the boards. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the movie, I feel like, you know, we sort of, we what we sort of catch up with the mystery of it. So, you know, we sort of eliminate Price as the villain, you know. Yeah. Batman checks him out. Yeah, that was bonkers. I was not expecting <laughs> that was that was actually I would say that that might have been a a bigger reveal to me, not that Price wasn't Joker, but what Joker was doing with a giant satellite. <laughs> Like uh-huh. that was that was a bigger shock to me than like anything. I was like, "What? This is what we're doing? We've got giant military satellites." Also, very of the time, uh, there was a lot of stuff at that time period that was like military satellites with lasers that blow things up. Yes, mm-hmm. it's like it's like it, it, and it was like a very similar shape to the one from Akira. Yeah, it was a was very fun. Akira very beam i mean it was essentially i mean it was beautiful like the one in akira too (laughs) akira did it really well so if they did it well just steal it it's fine uh and it turned into like a batman versus a like mishmash with akira like driving through the streets or whatever that was great i i remember Um, when i saw it i hadn't seen akira and i think they used it in like tomorrow never dies or like one of the james bond okay they used it they used it twice in the pierce brosnan and james bond they used it in in, uh in uh uh die another day Day. they used it in die another day where was a satellite that was shooting lasers like no it wasn't a satellite shooting lasers. it was a satellite that was redirecting the power of the sun into (laughs) like a wall of fire that would then shoot uh onto whatever he was aston martin or something and then before that there was goldeneye which was also a satellite that was shooting things and before that uh there was also in james bond they've had a bunch of satellites that did crazy stuff yeah i felt like that in akira but at the time i was like (laughs) seems like they're ripping off the pierce brosnan and james bonds (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh uh that was my that was my frame of reference when i first saw this <laughs> yeah one of my favorite things is every time that someone goes like that's totally a reference to the only other thing i know that's like that yeah. and not whatever it is that this person was actually thinking about <laughs> i mean <laughs> i feel like there are instances the where people will watch the original thing and say that it's ripping off the later thing <laughs> yeah the thing that happened in the future yeah uh 
Oh, yeah, and he interviews Tim. We see Tim as a communications expert working oh, on yeah. big old satellite dishes, and he, he seems to resent his time as Robin. And mm-hmm. pretty quickly, the character on screen voices what most of the audience is thinking, which is, I think Tim is behind this. Yeah. Which I think is like, great. That's great writing. You we, you don't want to be like Who could it ahead be? of the characters. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like, I, I even remember like once you get to the point where like he finds the hologram of Tim, the Joker is mm-hmm. like, yes, you're right. You got it. He's mm-hmm. working with me. It's still like, but how? <laughs> mm-hmm. How is this the case? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that satellite looks vaguely like HAL 9000 or, you know. Yeah, a little it bit. It has like that red dot. I mean, it also, there's it was, like a Batman It's very robot. much the same, <laughs> the same shape as the... Akira satellite, though. Because the Akira satellite was like a very vertical mm-hmm. sort of shape, um, sort of like, an, like a gun if a gun shot out of the handle or something. Cool for a gun. Don't like <laughs> guns, but like goofy <laughs> lasers. We I forgot that we didn't really see the Batman Beyond Batmobile until way later, which is, you know, fun. It's in the show a lot, but it, God, mm-hmm. the inside of that car is really cool looking. <laughs> it's really cool, yeah. Yeah, I can see where I was way into this. And also, because I remember, I also watched the theme song again after this, and I was like, man, this theme song rules. It's great. It's it's so, it's again, it's one of those things, like Batman Beyond is so, like, okay, so there's always this issue, I think, where people are like, oh, I want to make something that's timeless, you know? I want to make, like, a sci-fi movie that's, like, timeless sci-fi movie, or, like, a story that's this timeless story. You, You can't. You cannot make a timeless story because every single story is a product of its time. It's impossible. So you just have to sort of go in on it and go like, well, here we are right now and let's make a thing that works for right now. You have to make it. And Batman Beyond is definitely a product of its time. And it's very enjoyable (laughs) in in that respect. It's like, you know, I watched The Matrix again recently. I'm like, totally a product of its time. Holds up. Also, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, it was... It held up much better than I thought it was going to. It's great. Um, and Batman Beyond, like, theme song is, like, <laughs> it's, like, s- such a catchy thing. And it's, like, just kind of cheesy, but just kind of, like, badass. And it's, like, got all this all this stuff to it. It's just, yeah, it's fun. It's I just, mean, I just love the words popping up on screen, like, greed, apathy. <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. so... It, it owns what it is immediately yeah. and it's like this is a dystopia <laughs> you know yeah capital yeah. d <laughs> yeah i love anything that just goes 100 percent in on whatever it is it's doing plants flag and do it it feels very experimental like everything i've heard about it is like yeah like everybody kind of contributed like there's parts that look like there's kind of computer animated stuff mm-hmm. or generated stuff and it's like no they just filmed a sculpted bust of bruce wayne and then like put it on a lazy susan and spun it around in front of a camera and then just oh like th- there's that shot of him in the uh opening sequence and it's like yeah that, that was just practical and i think they i don't know what wow. they did. i think it was like an in-camera like they played with like the the levels uh to like I don't know if it was like crushing the blacks or like, you know, yeah. like doing something to like extremely distort it. So it looked that's cool. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm always like, that's so much cooler. It just feels like everybody starts. If you're a creative person doing like homemade stuff yeah. at some point, and it feels like to apply that to your own stuff when you're working yeah. on a job. Is it reminds cool. me of all those like sci-fi movies I've seen from like the eighties and seventies and stuff with like this computer generated map or something, but it's clearly they made like a, a surface of some kind and drew a big grid on it 
and they just put a camera over a big grid and go like, yeah, a computer made it. Yeah. Escape from New York <laughs> has that. I yeah. just recently rewatched it and it's like clearly blacklight uh, and it's just yeah. like tape over the edges of miniatures, mm-hmm. but it really works. I love that. I love that look. Yeah. So we get a laser chase. Uh, the Joker says the phrase Papa Spank, um, <laughs> which uh-huh. I feel like it fits. He's just such a, he's a creep. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of this, like he always calls himself dad or uncle. There's like all this, like, uh, yeah. it's just uncomfortable Yeah, uh, in a good way that feels like it fits. <laughs> What's well, that? I think it's that part of that manipulative thing where it's like, if you use familial like names and titles and stuff, it means like, well, you have to listen to me. I'm your dad or something like it's, it's just, it's a slight it's cultish, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Joker gets sweaty, and he's like, ooh, gotta go. And it's like, something's yeah. up. And so uh-huh. we sort of see that final, like, Batman takes down all the goons on the roof. Mm-hmm. We get mm-hmm. Bat Dog versus Spliced Hyena, which is fun. Again, effects work in this. Incredible. Like, the bat, flying Batmobile thing, crashing through that... Uh, tower very cool because i think it was also something where it's like there was i think the camera like moved down the tower and it was a it was a matte painting and then as soon as the batmobile connected with it i think it turned into a cell and it was painted in such a way that felt just very similar to the matte painting which is you know that's great it just feels seamless yeah it was really good um and then we get kind of that final moment you know we we see him like he talks to tim who doesn't mm. really know why he's there at first and is kind of like mm-hmm. confused and out of it. And I love the the acting in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Not even just the voice acting, but like specifically like the body acting, like the way it's been mm-hmm. boarded and animated is like when you see him suddenly stiffen up and turn into the Joker, but he mm-hmm. still looks like Tim, it's like, ooh, it's creepy. Yeah. yeah. I don't do this anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I uh, killed him. Yeah, that was good. I would, I was, I was hoping, I guess, when I saw this part, I was hoping that he had really, truly made the decision to stick with the Joker. Oh, that it was a choice. That it wasn't and just, that. Yeah, there was a choice that he made that he wanted to do it. Because I feel like, I feel like there's always, that, that always feels very strange strong to me is when someone like i'm going to make this choice i'm going to do it as opposed to someone has taken over and is making me make the choices i don't want to make um that is the biggest that would be the biggest twist yeah at the same time i can understand from an executive perspective why you might not want to do that but i can also understand from the writing perspective why you might not want to do that because if joker is this constantly manipulative person then he's doing things to people that they don't want to do. Like that's his whole. He's literally his invading his body. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I can see it from both perspectives. Um, I'm happy with how it turned out. I'm also would have been happy if it had gone the other direction. But I can I can see why they made the decisions that they made. Yeah, I also feel like there's like a legacy to the character that's like, how much do we really want to fuck this person up? But also, mm-hmm. he's already fucked up, and you're taking away his agency more by not allowing him to make a choice about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it could have been, there is a certain power to, I made a deal with the Joker or something, mm-hmm. and now I've 
decided maybe I shouldn't have made that deal. Like, I think that's a, that's a very good thing. But yeah, I can understand. I understand why I made these decisions. We also get a little healing out of it, at least in the end, where it's like, I'm ready to talk. They, they reconnect, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe is nice. a story they wanted to tell because nothing good ever happens <laughs> in these <laughs> Batman stories for the most part. It's always like, yeah. and they all hate each other or somebody died. <laughs> Um, we did get that. I mean, because of this, we got my favorite line. That flabby oaf doesn't uh, even realize I'm using his body as a timeshare. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, I, it's very fun when you get to hear, like Mark Hamill loves being a Joker. Yeah. Um, he's you know he's talked about it. Like he loves he loves being a Joker. But it's also fun when you get to hear hear an actor just taking joy in what they're doing. Like clearly. He was having a fun time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they give him a lot of range in this one and he's always yeah. pretty good, but this one is like, I, I feel like it, it doesn't get better than this. And he's played the Joker a bunch in really great ways mm-hmm. since then. But I'm like, this is, this is good. This is good. Mm-hmm. Cause then we get this final scene where it's Terry tormenting the Joker, the way that the Joker tormented Bruce in that flashback mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and making fun of him. I feel like Alex, one of the writers on infinity train and i have mm-hmm. i think talked about this scene at one point when we were writing uh on infinity train and we've brought mm-hmm. up some of the dc stuff just because we're i feel like both more in this this camp <laughs> than other mm-hmm. people in the room necessarily but uh uh-huh. like we watched that i think we made you guys watch like an isolated clip of like the flash running really fast at the end of this like five-part arc <laughs> and i was like <laughs> so we were like this is a really gripping moment and it should feel like this this is what we're talking about and you guys were like this looks really cool uh <laughs> yeah i mean i, I think, guess half yeah, of being that's... in a writer's room is watching a bunch of videos but <laughs> yeah i feel like a lot of our writer's room is uh uh people talking about some random piece of media that none of the rest of us have ever heard of and being like well you have to see it and <laughs> <Yes>. then <laughs> and then showing it to them we did do one of my favorite things I've ever done in any like group of, you know, collaborators, which is like, I think we taught, we went on a retreat and it became like a routine, which is that we, we shared a different TV episode with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was, that was really cool. I like, I like doing that. Cause that was, you shared I that shared one episode Batman. of batman yeah I mean, we edge. all knew you were going to come with batman yeah it was like we we, we were going to surprise each other and you guys were like you know, we know it's going to be <laughs> yeah i came with uh a twilight zone episode yeah uh Lindsay, i think came with was it strangers with candy i think uh-huh maddie and, brought in uh, daria yeah and alex brought in a power rangers episode where yeah. the power rangers were put in a giant microwave and were trying to be baked into a pizza yes <laughs> So, so if anybody's ever looking about like what is the general taste of the writers of Infinity Train, that's like each one of each one of those choices is so very specific to each of our people that's in the writers room. <laughs> and that is yeah, it all. And I feel like we all liked everything we saw too. Yeah, like you they're know. all great. And then I feel like the second time we ended up watching a lot of Pen Fifteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, is also great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it ends in in this sort of like emotional battle. And I feel like Terry gets his own. I feel like he does. Some, he feel, it feels like he stands out against what Batman is. You know, he, he is his own Batman in a way. I think, yeah, he, he definitely definitely defines him as like he's not Bruce Wayne. He's a different person. 
Like he's a different person with a different history, with a different everything. You don't get to expect of this person that he's going to be exactly who you thought he was based on his father figure, I guess, if you, if you want to put it that way. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's the Joker trying to use old techniques against someone that just that's not who he is it's good it's it holds up i was really happy with it and i was Mm -hmm. like well how do we make these things now (laughs) i also always get really nervous whenever i watch something from basically pre 2013 uh especially once again to the early 2000s and stuff where i'm like am i gonna get a very sudden problematic thing out of nowhere like because that stuff always pops up in, in like movies from that it's a bummer period. it's in almost everything oh, it's so frustrating it's like yeah this is a great movie oh god why man it was just it was fine and then and then this happened you know yeah um i mean you can't yeah, watch so, i was watching indiana jones recently and i was like oof <laughs> yeah it's it's there's always just always like one one little thing that you're like man we're so close i was pretty shocked when I saw Zoolander recently and how there wasn't any like uh, anti-gay stuff. Like that was, that was unexpected. Um, especially for the time period. <laughs> yeah. Alternatively, um, rewatched American Pie last night. Worse mm-hmm. <laughs> than I expected <laughs> in terms of problematic moments. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be problematic. This is going to be probably pretty sexist. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. a bunch of white dudes. Uh, yes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like laid, every yeah. part of it. Uh, and then we watched and it was like, oh, wow. It, it surprised us in new ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, Even going uh, into it, expecting that. I can think of a couple scenes that now I'm like, absolutely not. That was a group but of like men just time, like, I been like no. yeah, watching somebody strip on a webcam complicit. Yeah, that's 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 the first one that pops in my mind i i don't remember most of the movie at this point uh probably probably for the better uh but yeah anyway i was expecting the movie to have at least a few things where i'm like that is a very of the time joke that you just don't make anymore uh and it didn't no which was nice i would say the only thing that i saw that felt like a leftover of the time period or one of the only things that i saw that felt like a leftover was like Batman doesn't fight the girls. Yes. And they hit themselves and that's how they fail. Like a man doesn't hit the woman even though they're equally like matched or something. It's some like they don't do it just because they're a woman. Like and clearly that happened like a couple times in this. But otherwise, you know, it was pretty pretty great. Yeah. I was conf- I, I didn't know why there's one main character which I don't know if you remember from the series but he has a confidant uh, it's probably one of the only main people of color mm-hmm. <laughs> characters Max it's mm-hmm. like his best friend and she's just mm-hmm. completely absent from the movie and and it feels mm-hmm. kind of like my guess is that from a narrative perspective they were like we we can't balance this many characters but it was kind of a bummer to see this uh, key character who also is like mm-hmm. one of the only uh, non-white characters not show up yeah, uh, but I'm wondering. I don't know when these decisions get made and who makes these decisions. You know. Yeah, and also, it's like when they get made, why they get made. Exactly. And also, again, <laughs> keeping things into context of the time period. It's like, 
everything gets yeah it's thinking about context and stuff is a is a big part of it well i know we've gone for a while i wanted to quickly uh-huh. ask what uh how did the show or the stuff you grew up on sort of affect the way that you approach animation now is there anything that you see that you're like oh this is the kind of stuff that i like and i now that i get to make things i want to put this mm-hmm. in my own material and maybe talk a little uh, about infinity train for people who haven't seen yeah, it. yeah i mean i like I, I like when a show um decides that it's gonna go into a topic that is darker and i feel like some of the themes of this one were sort of like uh, a bit on like mental wellness and stuff, I think was one of those, a stronger sort of theme throughout this one, as well as like, um, I think it's sort of mentorship sort of was a thing, a theme in this a bit. And like how father figures can affect uh, who a person turns into, who they turn out to be. Um, and so I like it when it's just you sort of like, here's the theme we're going with. We're going to go all in on it. We're going to explore as many angles of it as we can and go for it. And that is definitely what we do when we're writing Infinity Train. <laughs> like when we've, when we've written Infinity Train, it's like, you know, the first season I think about how it's just like we went all in on like this uh, divorce stuff and like sort of tried to explore as many angles of it as we could. And all the different uh, aspects of how that can change a person or what you have to deal with as that's happening. Um, and then, you know, for our second season, it was one of those things where it's like we sort of went in and goes like, well, what sort of, which of these can we expand on a little bit more? And we got more into like identity and like how, you know, how that's, how that stuff works. And so I, I like it when people just choose a theme, stick with it go all in on it and have like a strong opinion even 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 at times i even like watching movies and tv shows where i don't agree with whatever the strong opinion is that they're going on uh just because i want to see what their arguments are like what are they what are they what are they thinking um i just want to see a strong clear um vision i guess and opinion which i feel like uh happened a lot in all these uh, Batman animated series ones like they're they're always seen as like oh it's so dark well I think the reason everybody calls them so dark like people die in movies and tv shows and stuff all the time or they're like semi-dead or like whatever but I think the reason I think when people are saying that something is very dark what they mean is someone is talking about something in depth and going all in on it on a thing that affects people and unfortunately that's always seen as like dark and it's because so much of these things can't really be fixed very easily and if you're going to be really realistic with these themes and stuff well you know then you're going to have to start talking about stuff that doesn't feel comfortable and that's um that's i think one of the strong things with some of these uh these Batman episodes. Yeah, I mean, I know it influenced me uh, for sure. When, mm-hmm. I mean, like I was drawn to your original Infinity Train short just because I was like pulled in by all of like the fun and, and like, you know, the funny of it. And then mm-hmm. there's, you know, a very scary, <laughs> intense monster mm-hmm. 
about you know halfway through that shows up and i was like oh this is this is a show that i'm interested in and so the fact that like you know i get to work on it with you is even better but like the emotional trappings of these things and like presenting them to kids uh and and adults but especially to kids who who don't get talked to that way by tv often yeah i feel like that's always something that gets i i get frustrated by a little bit in animation because it's sort of like people view animation as a genre instead of a medium which is i think an attitude that is slowly changing which is good um but it's like people view things as a kid's story versus an adult story and it seems to be that the only difference between a kid's story and an adult story is if they show nudity or have like swear words in it it's very frustrating (laughs) it's that seems to be the only the only difference because i would say kids television if it's going all in on some particular theme because you're not allowed to say or do certain things you end up having to use a whole lot of um analogies and a whole lot of symbolism and stuff that you really have to think about which is a lot of work (laughs) instead of like two adults talking about you know their unhappy sex life or something Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's, it's it's working into symbolism and stuff is something that seems to be just that's that's what you have to do if you're in a kid's thing which, you know, a certain, I think, I think it ups a lot of the creativity that you end up doing with various stories, because instead of just showing whatever the thing is, you go like, here's another way to look at it, you know, because I don't know, I think that, I think that's, I think that helps. I think it's good, a good way to talk about things is just saying like, here's another way to look at this. Yeah. I mean, it is that like old limitation breeds creativity, but I think limitation mm-hmm. breeds nuance, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know you're somebody who wants to live in the gray areas emotionally because mm-hmm. you're like, this is what real life is like. I mean, and I, I think it's, you are, regardless of what, you know, kid oriented show you're working on, a lot of the time you are pushed toward uh, learning specific lessons, which isn't inherently mm-hmm. bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that is like a benefit of, of hopefully like good programming (laughs) is that like Mm -hmm. you are learning something positive from it as well. But I feel like there's a, a lot of the takes are very simple and black and white. Yeah. That's some, I, that drives me insane. (laughs) I can't, I can't stand when it's like there is good and there is bad. The end. Cause that's absolutely not how anything in the world works so why would you write like that like why would you write that there's bad guys and there's good guys when clearly anybody can look around at for example the situation right now and say wait but i thought those were the good guys oh maybe they're not like it's it's like things are much much more gray than just um good and bad and i feel like I feel like it's doing a disservice to not just children, but adults and doing a disservice to everybody. If yeah. you try to, if you try to treat it like, treat it like that, cause it's just not, it's just not real. Yeah. I think the nuance of, of, uh, I mean, at least in like the Batman show, the villains were always interesting to me because they weren't just bad guys for the most part. It was like, yeah. Oh, these are tragic humans. 
Um, yeah. Mr. Freeze isn't just a goofy guy with an ice gun. He's just really yeah. sad about his wife, <laughs> who, mm-hmm. who he he knows he fucked up and he's trying to save her. Um, yeah. And it's that's always, simplistic, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always like, people want to look at a bad guy as like, that bad guy turned bad. He's always been a bad guy. He's a bad guy. People like this. There, there seems to be a general idea of like, what if they were just they're just bad from birth? And it's like that's not how anything works. Like you, you turn into who you are because of things that happened in your life that changed how you thought about things and choices that you made and choices that other people made on your behalf, even though you didn't want to. Or you know, there's all kinds of things that affect how a person becomes who they are and the idea that there's a inherently good or inherently bad just because is like doesn't make any sense to me i don't like the idea of just because yeah on on this particular issue <laughs> well on the, i guess on that note because i feel like that is what our show is about your show mm-hmm. um what how would you i guess Describe Infinity Train for people who have never heard of it, um, mm-hmm. who would like to check it out on HBO Max, which is where it currently resides. Mm-hmm. Uh, seasons one and two are there right mm-hmm. now. Uh, if you don't know what Infinity Train is, Infinity Train is an anthology show um, where each season is a different story. So season one is about a girl named Tulip who gets on this uh interdimensional whatever sort of train and uh within each train car is a different universe and she wakes up in this train with a number on her hand and she tries to figure out uh what's going on and the reason she gets on this train in the first place is because she is uh stressed out about what's happening with her family situation which is that her parents are getting divorced and it's she's got like a new way that her life is working now and it's it's freaking her out. So she runs away, boards the infinity train. <laughs> and I won't tell you what season two is about, obviously, because, you know, this is season two. Watch the first one. Yeah, the first season is a mystery. <laughs> and it's it's very one. much a mystery and has a yeah. lot of, I mean, it's comedic, but it also, I would say, has a lot of like sci-fi horror uh, inspired stuff as well. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, it's, it's as people would say, it gets it gets dark. But it's, again, I believe that Things that are getting dark is just code for things. Things are talking about stuff that's real. Uh, and if people have heard of it and they've made mm-hmm. it through an entire, you know, four hours of Return of the Joker talk, uh, they're interested. <laughs> I guess, like, uh, you know, I know that there's stuff we can talk about and can't talk about. The amount that it's watched right now is kind of determining the show's fate. Do you have other yes. stories in mind? How many stories? Is it a finite sort of set of stories? Yeah, I mean, there I have. There are other stories that I'd like to do with Insane Train. I have about um, eight total stories that I think would be really good. And I think we should probably we should like do eight, and then eight's like an infinity symbol, so you can be like, ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's 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 that about eight different stories that I can think of that would be really fun to do, but we won't get to make them unless people watch the show on. Yes, please do watch it. They're 10, 11 minute episodes per season. So you can watch it like a movie in one night. It is. Each season is shorter than any Marvel movie.
just to, just throwing that out there. If you're like, oh, I can sit down and watch Thor The Dark World, that is longer. That is the shortest Marvel movie, and it is longer than our first season. Always, ever, everybody's first seasons. watch is Thor The Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shortest Marvel movie, and again, still longer than our show. <laughs> well, cool, man. My last question, I guess, is because this is sort of like a charity run of episodes, uh, yeah. and we're supporting different charities that I, I've asked guests to choose because i think it's it's mm-hmm. cool you know when you when you care about a specific cause i'd rather support that so you chose one group in particular and i, w- I wanted to know if you could kind of share who they are and, and why it's important to you and why people should donate i chose uh run for something.net uh run for something was created in right after trump's inauguration 2017 um the idea of it is that they fund and organize people to run for political office at the lowest levels of government. So if you're, and they fund specifically progressive forward thinking voices and stuff, wherever you are in the United States. So, you know, if you're running for comptroller or something and you're like, I want to be a progressive comptroller uh, and I've never run for office before, you contact these people and they will tell you, okay, well, this is how we will fund you. And this is how we will set up your campaign. And this is how you do these various things. And they set up young people who've never done it before uh, for success. They've already had like 200 people have gotten into lower office with their help. So it's basically making sure that like, okay, we're bringing up a new generation of younger people who might not have had political experience and might be afraid of getting into it and might not have the money to do it and letting them start their political careers so that, you know, five, six, 10 years from now, uh, we're going to have people that are like, I'm running for Senator. Originally I ran for comptroller. <laughs> like, like that's, that's, that's the purpose of it. It's a very long-term local oriented approach to um, politics. And I think that if you're, if you don't like how things are going in the world at the moment, which I certainly don't, these local positions are the people that have a lot of control over like, where does the budget go? Where does, you know, who, that's actually, that's the biggest one. Where's the budget go? <laughs> so, so like, where's the budget go? Which, which, which potholes are getting filled? You know, like, why is that getting money? And that isn't like, these are the people who decide that stuff is people at your very local level. So getting voices in there that are what you want. <laughs> so I would say run for something.net. That's my charity of choice. Well, cool. Thanks for talking for so long. This was a yeah, this is a real great. treat. Yeah. Now I'm gonna uh, go make some popcorn and watch RuPaul. Ooh, yeah, it's tonight. Oh, I've been watching previous All Stars, and then I'm gonna catch up with the. Ooh, every All-Stars. night is tonight for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's been a good time. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, and that's the end of the podcast. All right. And that was Owen Dennis. Follow him on Twitter and check out Infinity Train now on HBO Max. Both seasons are streaming. If you like this show, rate and subscribe on Apple and follow us at BTAS Podcast and me at Hey Justin. Lastly, please donate to Run For Something. Thanks to Owen for matching donations along with Jeff Trammell and myself. Your donations made to them in particular will be automatically quadrupled. 
go to btaspodcast.com slash donate. The donation window closes on July 6th, 2020, and I would love to raise as much money as humanly possible, dudes. Again, any size donation is great, and if you can't afford it, that is completely understandable. Uh, But maybe you can share the fundraiser with someone who might be able to donate. So please, btaspodcast.com slash donate. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of this podcast. Thank you again to my guest and buddy, Owen Dennis. Finally, thank you again to Tori Malatia for bluntly telling me, I know everything. And kind of like the kid who peeks at his Christmas presents, I must admit, it's sadly anticlimactic. Behind all the sturm and batarangs, you're just a little boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. (laughs) You know, you may be harsh, Tori, but you always speak the truth, and I will always value your opinion, no matter how many Tim Drakes you choose to electrocute. All right, guys, that is the end of this podcast for a while. Truthfully, I've got a few more episodes coming up in the future with folks who donated to the Patreon a while back, so stay subscribed if you're interested in hearing more, but otherwise... Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask because we're still in a global pandemic, and please donate at btaspodcast.com slash donate until July 6th, 2020. That is next Monday. So thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate all the support through this. And yeah, that's it. Bye. Bye.